invite you to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 7. We are continuing in the sermon series we started last Sunday titled, Do Unto Others. We are unpacking God's truth for our lives and relationships found in the golden rule. Jesus said in Matthew 7 and verse 12, Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and prophets. Whatever you want others to do for you, whatever you want others, say others. Whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. Others includes those we know well and those we don't. Others includes those who agree with us and those who don't. Others includes those we get along with and those we don't. Others includes those who are like us and those who aren't, those who love us and those who don't, those who uh, respect us and those who don't, those who speak kindly to us and those who don't, those who treat us well and those who don't. Others includes those who are in the church, in the body of Christ, our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, and those who aren't, those who have not yet placed their faith and trust in Christ Jesus. You see, we practice the golden rule not so that we can be saved. We practice the golden rule because we are saved. We practice the golden rule because we have been rescued by God from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of the Son He loves. In Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. We practice the golden rule because this is God's will for us. In Christ Jesus. We practice the golden rule because we want others to see Jesus in us. We practice the golden rule for the glory of God. Freely, we have received God's grace and blessings. Freely, we are to show God's grace and blessings to the others that God places around us. As we shared last week, the golden rule works for all people in all circumstances at all times. There is no downside to obeying the golden rule. I like what one Bible scholar said about the golden rule. He said this, the golden rule is like a pocket knife always ready to be used even when there's no time to ask for advice. Jesus provides a rule we can use in thousands of specific cases to determine what righteousness looks like. Doing to others what we would want them to do to us is what the law and prophets taught. The golden rule summarizes the teaching of the law and prophets. The golden rule summarizes the teaching of the Old Testament scriptures. The golden rule summarizes the teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. The golden rule summarizes the teaching of the New Testament scriptures. The golden rule summarizes how we can walk as Jesus walked. The golden rule summarizes how we can love our neighbors as ourself. The golden rule summarizes how we can be a blessing to the others that God places around us. Everyone wins when the golden rule is applied. Unfortunately, the golden rule is not always put into practice in our lives and in our relationships. 
golden rule is not always obeyed by us and the others around us. So let's look at just a few reasons as to why this is the case. A few reasons as to why the golden rule is not always put into practice. The first reason is sin. This is the obvious, easy, simple answer. We choose to do what we want rather than what God wants. We choose to live our way rather than God's way. We choose to walk in the flesh rather than in the spirit. We make the choice to be unloving, unkind, or insensitive to others. We make the choice to lie to others or to talk about others or to be mean to others. These sinful choices, these sinful acts often stem from some deeper rooted sins in our lives such as pride or bitterness towards God or bitterness towards others, resentment, selfishness, or unforgiveness. And when these sins take root into our lives, then they produce all kinds of sinful actions and words and choices. These are oftentimes called sins of commission, sins that we commit and we knowingly commit them. We know that our enemy, Satan, will do whatever he can and use whoever he can to keep us from obeying God's word in general, but to also keep us from applying the golden rule in particular in our lives and relationships. James also told us about sins of omission. James said in James 4, 17, for it is sin to know what is good and yet not do it. He said it is sin to know what is good and yet not do it. The book, Eight Men Out, tells the story of uh, a baseball scandal that happened in 1919 involving the Chicago White Sox. And in this baseball scandal that involved the Chicago White Sox, there were eight members of the White Sox who were charged, who were accused with accepting bribes from uh, gamblers in exchange for intentionally uh, losing the World Series that year. And though these players were never convicted in a court of law, they were banned from baseball by the baseball commissioner. There was one in particular who knew about this conspiracy, but he claimed that he did everything he could do to win the World Series. He did everything he could do to be at his best. He did not do uh, what the others did and try to throw the World Series. He tried his hardest and he tried to do everything he could to win the World Series. And after a review of his claims, after a review of his performance in the World Series, it became clear and obvious that this player really was truthful. He did not try to lose the World Series. He played his best. He really produced in the World Series. However, the baseball commissioner still banned him from baseball as well. And he said the reason he was banned from baseball is because he knew about the conspiracy and didn't do anything about it. He was banned for not doing what was right. For us to know what is right, for us to know what God wants us to do and to not do it is 
sin. Now, the standard for us is not be perfect because we all fail at that point. We've all missed that mark. The goal is not to be perfect. The goal for us as followers of Jesus Christ is to pay careful attention then to how we live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. The goal for us as followers of Jesus Christ is to number our days carefully so that we may develop a heart of wisdom. The goal for us as followers of Jesus Christ is whether we eat or drink or whatever it is we do, to do it all for the glory of God. The goal for us is whatever it is we do, whatever it is we say, to do it all for the glory of God. A second contributing factor uh, as to why the golden rule isn't always applied in our lives and relationships is discouragement. We simply get discouraged from obeying the golden rule when others don't. We get discouraged especially when the others who aren't obeying the golden rule are our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. That's especially discouraging. And so we understand and realize this discouragement begins to impact us in a negative way. We must always keep in mind that the way those who don't know Jesus will know we are followers of Jesus, the ways who, those who don't know Jesus will know we are family together in Christ Jesus is by the way in which we love one another. And we love one another as we apply the golden rule with one another in our relationships. And so we also know a third contributing factor is exhaustion. We get, quite honestly, tired of doing to others as we would have them do to us without them doing to us. We get tired of not seeing a change in how others treat us. We get tired of not seeing a change in our relationships. We get tired of not seeing a change when this golden rule is being applied in our lives. We get tired, we get exhausted, and our fatigue begins to negatively impact our faith. Our exhaustion begins to chip away at our desire for obedience. The Apostle Paul understood this reality. He told us in Galatians 6, 9, and 10, let us not grow weary in doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let's work for the good of all, especially those who belong to the household of faith. What Paul was saying was, don't give up on doing good to others. Don't give up on encouraging others. Don't give up on loving others. Don't give up on doing to others as you would have them do to you. Don't give up, especially as it relates to your brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, especially as it relates to those who belong to the family of faith, especially as it relates to those who are members of God's family, your family in Christ Jesus. And then Paul reminded us how we are to persevere and not give up in doing good to others, how we are to persevere and not give up in applying the golden rule. As he told us, we're to walk by the Spirit and not the flesh. We're to trust in God and rely on God 
and depend on God day by day for the power that we need to live his way. And as we humbly depend on God, he will empower us to live his way. And so we see these obstacles at times keep us from applying the golden rule. Certainly there are many other obstacles that we could look at and identify, but these give us an idea, a framework as we now transition to look at how we can make sure that we put the golden rule into practice in our relationships. As we make our way through this series, we're going to see these four principles continue to apply. Whatever it is that we discuss, whatever it is the Lord teaches us, as we continue making our way through this series, we'll be able to come back and we'll be able to look and we'll be able to understand and realize the way we're able to apply the golden rule in that particular situation will relate back to these principles that we're going to focus on here this morning. Because we can obey the golden rule as we incorporate these simple principles into our lives, as we incorporate them into our day-to-day walk as followers of Jesus Christ. So let's look at these principles here uh, that we see in the Word. Number one is be obedient. It's real simple, be obedient. This teaching of the golden rule applies to each one of us. It's my responsibility and it's your responsibility as a follower of Jesus Christ Whatever it is we want others to do for us, to do also the same for them. No one can obey this teaching for us but us. It's my responsibility, it's your responsibility to be obedient as a follower of Jesus Christ. Do unto others is a command, like we talked about last week, it's an imperative, it's a command in the active voice, which means you and I must be active in doing to others as we would have them do to us. And so we understand immediately as we look into this word and as we begin to look at these principles of how we apply the golden rule in the weeks to come, we understand and realize it's a command, so we must be obedient. As children of God, we must be obedient to our heavenly and holy Father. And second, we know and understand we must be intentional. We must be intentional. You and I must go first in applying the golden rule in our lives and relationships. You and I must go first. We must take the first step, the second step, the third step, and the thousandth step in doing to others as we would have them do to us. We must be intentional. We must go first. How others choose to respond to us is between them and God. How others respond to us is between them and God. Hopefully, prayerfully, others will follow our example and obey the golden rule as well. But our responsibility is not depending on how others respond to us and whether or not others obey the golden rule as well, whether or not others do to us as we have done to them. No, our responsibility is to make sure whatever we want others to do for us, that we also do the same for them. That's our responsibility. And so we must be intentional in this. And certainly as we look 
at the pandemic of the coronavirus, as we look at the pandemic of racism, as we look at what's going on around us in our world today, as we look at all that's going on around us, it's easy for us to see. It's easy for us to realize. It doesn't take long for us to realize at all that it is vitally important that each one of us as a follower of Jesus Christ is intentional in doing to others as we would have them do to us. The world around us is searching for answers, for help, for healing, for hope. You hear this and you see this. We hear and see this every day, all through the day, week after week, month after month. It's the same search. They're searching for answers, for some kind of help, for some kind of of healing, for some kind of change, for some kind of hope, for any kind of a glimmer of hope that they can grab onto. And we know that change and healing and reconciliation and peace comes through Jesus and his power at work in his people. That's where the answers come from. It's from Jesus and his power at work in his people. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We have the joy for such a time as this to join God in his work in his world. And I think it's very clear for all of us that there is much work to be done for the Lord in his world today. Much work to be done. And so we understand how important this is. And so we must be intentional. We are ministers for Jesus. We are ambassadors for Jesus. We are representatives for Jesus. We are called to shine the light of Christ in us so that others can see our good deeds, our good works, and what? Give glory to our Father in heaven to give glory to our Father in heaven. That means we are to live our lives in such a way and all that we do and all that we say and where we go and how we live, we're to live our lives in such a way that the light of Christ in us is not dimmed in any way. That the light of Christ in us shines so brightly that those who are around us, the others who are around us can see our good works and they can acknowledge that what they're seeing in us, not that they give glory to us on earth, no. Not that they talk about how great we are, no. It says so that they can see our good works, our good deeds, and what? Give glory to God in heaven. To give glory to God in heaven. And so for others to see something in us and to give glory to God in heaven emphasizes 100% the need for us to be intentional and making sure each day we wake up and say, God, get me out of your way so that you can have your way in through and around me. Help me stay out of your way. I humbly bow before you. God, I need you. I need you to do your work in through and around me because, Father God, I want Jesus to shine through my life in such a way that others can give you glory, can see and acknowledge that you are in charge of my life. Listen, time is short, eternity is at stake. We don't have any time to waste. We must take the lead. We must be intentional. We must go first over and over 
and over and over again. And whatever it is we want others to do for us, we're then to also make sure that we do the same for them. That happens in God's strength, at work in and through our lives uh, for his honor and glory for his fame and his name. So we're going to be obedient. We're going to be intentional. And we must remind ourselves of this because I can tell you when we get discouraged and when we get exhausted that we're not seeing a whole lot of change, one of the first things that starts to happen is it begins to impact our obedience. And certainly it begins to impact our intentionality because the more discouraged and exhausted we get, the less intentional we at times will become. Because we're discouraged and exhausted. And so we must understand the third point is we must be focused. It is impossible for us to underestimate the importance of focusing on God. It is impossible to underestimate how we need to make sure that our minds and our eyes are on the Lord. Scripture challenges us over and over and over again to focus on the Lord to make sure that we are focusing our attention, to make sure we're focusing our affection on the Lord first and most. David told us, I keep the Lord in mind always. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean out on your understanding. Think about God in all your ways, and he will make your path straight. Isaiah said, God will keep in perfect peace the mind that is steadfast, because it is trusting in you, God. Paul told us whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things, think on these things. Focus on these things. And if you look at that list, those adjectives that Paul described, Jesus Christ meets every one of them. The truth of God's word meets every one of them, which is why we must be focused on God and the truth of his word. Paul told us, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. The writer of Hebrews told us, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and set down to the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from simple men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him. Consider Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That means think about him. Consider him. Focus on him. We need to focus on God and the truth of his word for many reasons. And I would say one of the key reasons, one of the top reasons we must stay focused on God and the truth of his word is the battle of spiritual warfare is fought in our minds. It's fought in our minds. Our mind is the battlefield where spiritual warfare is fought, which is why scripture over and over and over and over again says, focus on God. Do not turn your focus elsewhere. Stay focused on the Lord. Seek him first. Trust him. Stay focused on him. This is where the battle is fought on a day-by-day basis for you and for me. It's in our minds. Now, let's look at a few thoughts about our thoughts. Just a, a quick Summary, a few thoughts about our thoughts. Number one, we're always thinking. 
We are always thinking. I know some of you may think, well, some people would put that idea to the test. And at times, maybe we put that idea to the test, but it's true nonetheless. We're always thinking. Scientists tell us that our thoughts, the number of thoughts we have in a day range, and it depends on where you want to land on this scale, range, the high end that I've read and seen is 70,000 thoughts a day. There's many who believe in the 40 to 50,000 thought range. There's even some who's done recent studies who say that we have 6,200 thoughts a day. We average 6,200 thoughts a day that lead down different thought patterns and streams. Wherever you fall on that spectrum of the number of thoughts in a day, we all, no matter where we may fall on that spectrum, reach the same conclusion, and that is simply this, we're always thinking. We're always thinking. That doesn't mean we're thinking accurately. It doesn't mean we're thinking biblically. It doesn't mean we're thinking logically. It doesn't mean we're thinking righteously. It doesn't mean we're thinking wisely, but what it does mean is we're thinking. We're always thinking. Our minds are always working. Always. Remember, the battlefield where spiritual warfare is fought is in the mind. Remember, Scripture over and over and over and over again tells us to focus our minds and our thoughts on the Lord and His Word. We're always thinking. Secondly, we understand and realize we're constantly thinking, and our thoughts matter. Our thoughts matter to you and to me. Our thoughts count. Our thoughts matter. Every one of them matters. As we have seen over and over again in Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, uh, shared this many times before with us, and I think we're all familiar with this concept. It's, it's biblical. It's the concept that it relates to our thoughts that we think, we feel, we act. Our thoughts produce our feelings, which lead to our actions and or words. We think, we feel, we act. Our thoughts matter. Soldiers in the Israelite army went out to the battle lines to fight against the Philistines. And the Philistines, on a day-by-day basis in the morning and the evening, sent out their champion, Goliath. And Goliath would come out, and all the Israelites would come to the battle lines, all the Philistines would come to the battle lines, the valley in between them, and Goliath would step down, and he would taunt and ridicule the Israelite army. And every one of those Israelite-trained soldiers trained professional soldiers looked at Goliath and they thought Goliath is too big to defeat. We don't have a chance. He is ugly and he is scary and he is huge. And they were filled with fear and they were filled with cowardice. And then what happened? They turned and they ran and hid in their tents every single time. Their thoughts produce their feelings, which shows their actions. David comes to the battle lines in obedience to his father because he wanted to come and check on his brothers. And he happens to come when they're out at the battle lines. And David hears and sees Goliath, and he thinks he's too big to miss. How can I miss that guy? Listen to what he's saying. Who's he talking about? Who is he compared to my God? David was filled with courage. And David took off and literally ran. And you know the story. Killed Goliath. His thoughts produced his feelings, which led to his actions. Peter, our good friend Peter, was 
a follower of Jesus Christ. And as Jesus was arrested by the mob and taken away, Peter followed at the distance. And Peter thought, if I get too close, I might get arrested. I might get taken away by the mob. And who knows what that could end up doing to me. And so Peter stayed at what he thought was a safe distance. And the young girl and others started to ask him as they were gathered around the fire, aren't you a follower of that Jesus who was taken away? And Peter thought about what would happen to him. He thought about how he might be led away, how he might be arrested, and what ultimately may have happened to him. And he was filled with fear and cowardice. And what did he do? He denied knowing Jesus three times. His thoughts produce his feelings because of his actions. Just days and weeks later, the same Peter is arrested by the religious leaders, the religious authorities that he was afraid of weeks before. And they threatened him that if he continued to preach and teach Jesus Christ crucified, risen, and exalted, they would beat him and possibly much worse. And Peter thought about the resurrected Jesus. Peter thought about the fact that he saw Jesus. He talked with Jesus. He ate with Jesus. Peter thought about how Jesus had forgiven him and restored him and how Jesus had called him to be the leader of the church. And Peter was filled with confidence. He was filled with joy. And he said to the religious leaders, you guys do what you got to do. It doesn't matter to me because I just want you to know I'm not going to stop preaching and teaching about Jesus Christ. You see, his thoughts produced his feelings, which led to his actions and his words. If we want to change what we say or do, if we want to change how we feel, we must ultimately change, first and foremost, how we think. We think, we feel, we act. Now, we understand how important this is because scientists also tell us we're always thinking our thoughts matter, and they tell us 70 to 80% of our thoughts are negative. Now, think about that. The battlefield where spiritual warfare is fought is in the mind. Scripture tells us over and over and over and over again, focus on the Lord and focus on the truth of his word. Why? Because we're always thinking, because our thoughts matter, and the great percentage of our thoughts lean in a negative direction. The great percentage of our thoughts lean in a negative direction. We begin to see why it's so important to be focused. I tell you, when you just stop here and we look at what we've talked about, we begin to understand why people are so anxious and angry, why people are so discouraged, why people are so full of despair. When we think about how, all, how much we're thinking and how much influence and weight our thoughts carry in our minds and our lives and how great the percentage of those thoughts are that are negative in nature, we realize we must, we must fill our minds with the word and focus on God and his word. And then we see a third point about our thoughts is, number one, we need to take, take charge of our thoughts. We're always thinking our thoughts matter. We need to take charge of our thoughts. Since our thoughts carry such great weight and influence in our lives, we must apply Paul's instruction to demolish strongholds and everything is taken up and raised up against the knowledge of God in our lives. And we must take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Notice Paul said we are to take what thought captive? Every thought captive. Get a hold of this now. 
Satan battles us every day, all day for every single one of our thoughts. He is relentless in his constant attack on our minds in the battle of spiritual warfare. He is constantly trying to get us and to lure us away from God, to lure us away from thinking God's way by his lies, accusations, doubts, and temptations. We must discipline our minds so that we can focus on God. We must discipline our minds so that we can focus on the truth of God's word. We must discipline our minds so that we can focus on what God says about us, not what others say about us. We must discipline our minds so that we can focus on what God says about us, not the enemy's lies to us. We must discipline our minds so that we can focus on God's escape route out of every temptation he promises to give us. We must focus our minds. We must discipline our minds so that we can focus on being thankful for all we have rather than being ungrateful for what we don't have. We must discipline our minds so that we can focus on the reality that this world is not our home. We're just passing through on our way to glory. We must focus our minds on the reality. We must discipline ourselves to remember and realize that we are not supposed to find our comfort and our joy and our ultimate happiness here on this earth. We're searching for stuff that God's never designed for us to find here on this earth. We find that all in Christ Jesus. Yes, we do. We find it in Christ Jesus and him alone. And we know we're going to enjoy it forever and eternity one day. But right here and right now, we're in the battle. We are in the battle every single day, and we must discipline our minds so that we remind ourselves, so we're able to focus on this word, on this truth that reminds us that this world isn't our home. We're just passing through. That reminds us, get a hold of this. This is one of the greatest news you'll hear all morning. It's simply this. Satan has no defense against God's truth. Amen? He has no defense against God's truth. We win every time as we walk according to the truth of God's word. Every single time we win. As we focus on God, we are able to live for God. We can be focused on God. Now listen, we stay focused on God and the truth of his word as we spend time in his word. The more we study and memorize God's word, the more we will know, live, and think God's way. This is why Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. The Holy Spirit of God takes this word of God and he fills our minds with this truth. He strengthens our thinking. The Holy Spirit of God takes the Word of God and empowers us to think God's way. And we are able to think God's way as we spend time in God's Word. Because the Holy Spirit takes this Word. He is the author of this Word. He's the teacher of the Word. He takes this Word. And he brings our thinking into agreement with the Word of God. As we go about our weeks, as we go about our days, as we get into our neighborhoods, as we get into our realms of influence, as we minister to the congregations of others around us, at home, at work, at school, wherever that may be, 
as we minister to our congregations, we must make sure that we are filling our mind with this word because as we fill our mind with this word on a daily basis, then the Holy Spirit of God takes the word of God and brings our thinking into line with God and his word so that as we're ministering to the others around us, we're able to do to them as we would have them do to us. If we make the mistake of not filling our minds with the word of God during the week, we will have our thoughts shaped by the world and they will be conformed to the world. And when our thoughts are shaped by the world and conformed to the world, when our thoughts begin to come into line with the world's philosophies and messages and thoughts, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. John reminded us the world and its desires and lusts are what? Passing away. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. We're able to do the will of God as we get in the word of God because God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is found in his word. And so we're able to be focused not just on Sunday mornings when it's real convenient. Not just in our life team meetings when it's real convenient. Not just in our individual areas of ministry that we go and minister here within our church family and all the different ministries that we're involved in. No, we're able to be focused day by day as we minister to the congregations around us as we stay in God's word. We're also to be able to be stay focused on God and the truth of his word as we spend time in prayer. God's word and prayer, again, these are so simple, foundational elements, foundational truths that we see throughout the scriptures. So we spend time in prayer. Prayer draws us near to God, which is where we get our help and our hope. It's from God. Prayer focuses us on God, that we're reminded that he's with us and he's more than enough for us. Prayer opens us to the blessings of God. Prayer opens us to the provision of God. Jesus said, ask and will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Forever ask receives. Whoever seeks finds to him who knocks the door is open. Who of us, if we know how to give, give gifts to those of us who are evil, know how to give, give gifts to our children who ask us, how much more will our heavenly father give us his good gifts when we come to him in prayer? We are able to get the blessing of God's peace as we are not anxious about anything, but everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we present a request to God and what the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We're able to find God's love, the blessing of God's love, because we know and understand as we cast our cares on the Lord, he cares for us, he loves us, he's compassionate towards us. Prayer blesses us because we know God hears and answers our prayers in a way that's best for us and the others that are around us. Then the fourth point is we must be confident. As we talk about all of these different aspects of this series of doing to others as we have them do to us, we can be confident in the Lord. Our confidence is in the Lord. Understand and know our confidence is not in ourselves. Our confidence is in the Lord. Our confidence is him. The more we stay focused on the Lord, the more we will be confident in the Lord. We are confident that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We are confident that no weapon formed against us shall prosper as followers of Jesus Christ. We're confident that no one can separate us from God's love for us in Christ Jesus. We're confident that nothing can separate us from God's love for us in Christ Jesus. We're confident since God is for us, no one can be against us. We're confident since God is for us, nothing can be against us. We gain this confidence in the Lord as we spend time with the Lord. 
to stay focused on the Lord. Listen, the golden rule is right, not as long as others agree with us. The golden rule is right, not as long as others respond properly to us. <clears throat> the golden rule is right, not as long as others change for us. The golden rule is right because God said it's right. That's why it's right. It's right for you and me. We can be confident that God will bless us. We can be confident that God will encourage us. We can be confident that God will produce his fruit of the Spirit in us. We can be confident that God will strengthen us. We can be confident that God will use us for his glory, name, and fame as we do to others as we would have them do to us. You see, we gain our confidence in the Lord from his work in his world. You just sit and look at God's work in his world. And you're amazed at the power that God has displayed in his creation. His power, his glory. We gain confidence in the Lord as we see the Lord at work in his word, as we look into this word, as we study this word day after day. We continue to just grow in our understanding, our appreciation, our passion, our love for the Lord, and our dependence on the truth of his word. Because he speaks to us through his word. Verses we've read hundreds of times, we may read again this week, and it'll hit us like a ton of bricks. Like we've never seen that before. Which gives us confidence how much greater our God is than us. But listen, we gain confidence in the Lord as we see God's work in our lives. So we look back and see how God's worked in our lives to get us to this point. Times when we thought we couldn't make it another day, and yet we're here right now, and we know and understand that the confidence we have that we've seen God at work in our lives gives us confidence today that we know he's not done yet. He's still got more to do. And he's going to continue his work in us day by day. Yes, it is easy to get discouraged and want to give up. As we focus on ourselves, others, or the world around us, absolutely yes. Thankfully, as we look to the Lord, we grow in our confidence in the Lord. We are reminded of how great and awesome and almighty our God is. We're reminded as followers of Jesus Christ, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory because we have already won the victory by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. And when the sun sets us free, we're free indeed to embrace, to enjoy, to share, and to walk and our victory in Jesus. As we think God's way, we're able to live God's way. We're able to walk victoriously as we think biblically with the confidence of knowing we are saved by God's grace. Through our faith and trust in Christ Jesus. This world isn't our home. We're passing through. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await the Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. For this is the law 
and the prophets. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead in this time of response to the Lord. This is our time to respond to the Lord. As we've shared this morning, victory is in Jesus. And so let me just encourage you, if you've never yet received God's gift of love and life and forgiveness of sins by placing your faith in Jesus, and why not here, why not today, why not right now, either in person or streaming online, cry out to the Father and just ask God to forgive you of your sins. Tell God that you believe Jesus Christ is your Savior, that you believe Jesus lived a perfect life, that you believe Jesus died a perfect death on the cross of Calvary in your place, that you believe Jesus was buried, you believe Jesus was risen again. He, he rose again on the third day, victorious over sin and death for you, and that you desire and understand and know that Jesus is the only way to God, and you desire a relationship with God, and so you confess your sins and just cry out to God. And just You can say simply, God, save me in Jesus. God, change me from the inside out. Enable me to live in the victory that is mine in Christ Jesus as a follower of Jesus. Our pastors will be standing here at the front. They'd love to pray with you, pray for you. They'd love to introduce you to Jesus if you have an opportunity to share a desire to share with them. They would love to tell you about Jesus or just to pray with you or over you or for you. Let me encourage you as a brother or sister in Christ Jesus now let's continue to do business to the Father. This is our time of response to the Lord. This is how we respond to the Lord, to confess those sins, to, to cry out to God, to empower us to be obedient, to power us to be intentional, to be focused, to be confident. The altar is open as it always is. If you want to come and kneel and do business with the Father, you may want to grab a brother or sister of Christ, pray with them. We would love to pray with you, pray for you. As the Lord leads... Let's respond in obedience to him this morning. Let's stand and say yes to the Lord.